Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Atlanta Business Radio. Brought to you by OnPay, Atlanta's new standard in payroll. Now, here's your host. Lee Cantor here, another episode of Atlanta Business Radio, and this is going to be a fun one. But before we get started, it's important to recognize our sponsor, OnPay. Without them, we couldn't be sharing these important stories. Today on Atlanta Business Radio, we have David Feldman, and he is with 3Owl. Welcome, David. Hey, Lee. Great to be here. Well, I'm excited to learn what you're up to. Tell us a little bit about 3Owl. How are you serving folks? Sure. Uh, so 3Owl is right at the intersection of design and technology, so we're there to Imagine your brand, build out your brand guidelines, translate that into a beautiful website or app design, and then code it all in-house and measure the results afterwards. So we really believe that having all that handoff within one company yields much better work. And the folks who aren't doing it that way, how are they typically doing it? Are they just cobbling together kind of resources to do each of those things kind of in a siloed individual manner? Yeah, this comes up a lot when we're pitching branding work, for example. We'll pitch against a branding agency and the potential client will say, so the branding agency is going to find another shop that's going to take what we did and try to turn it into a website. So I think there's some cobbling together. We just have a deeper understanding of how it all connects. So even early on as we're working on the brand, we're thinking about things like ADA compliance. Is the color contrast going to work on a button? Um, how are these patterns and backgrounds going to scale on mobile devices? So I think there's just that understanding start to finish. So very early on in that branding process, we're already thinking about a final digital product. Now, is your solution best for kind of startups who have a blank sheet of paper they're working off of, or are these already established brands? You know, we've gone both ways. Um, and the, the process, the branding process for us always starts with a day-long workshop where we really learn a lot about the business. Uh, if it's an established brand, uh, we usually are not working with the people who are as close to it as founders. We're working with marketing directors. We're working typically a COO or CEO could be in that meeting too. So we're really taking a step back and working on a um, on an entity that the client is not as deeply connected to. Uh, but we've done everything from renaming organizations that have been around for a long time, so you can't be too precious about it, um, or tinkering with and improving existing businesses like Fortune 500s. Um, on the startup side, uh, we're usually working with founders, so they're very, very close to the business. So I think it usually takes a lot more care. Again, that brand workshop means we really deeply understand what our client wants rather than diving right into a website. We know what their goals are. We also know what they're going to be pitching to potential investors, uh, what current, what their current um, market is saying. So I think process-wise, it's the same. Uh, we definitely know there's more hand-holding with startups, but it can also be a lot more fun with startups. Now, what's your backstory? How did you get into this line of work? Uh, I graduated in 2008, which was a very tricky time to graduate. Um, I took a job at a large marketing firm and very early on was not feeling it. I just remember looking down the, the long corridor and seeing my career path essentially laid out in front of me, like you know, side office, corner office, big office at the end of the hallway. Um, so I never, corporate life was never for me. Um, 
I ended up going off on my own and just doing a lot of independent contracting work and doing really just about anything marketing related I could get my hands on. So that was taking photos, video, building websites, copywriting, designing. You know, I, I was really into all of that, uh, doing it for very much bottom barrel pricing. But I learned a ton in those first few years um, when I was getting started. And I realized pretty early on, I didn't want to become this really awesome independent contractor and specialize in anything specific. Uh, so I, I made that first decision, I think two years into running my business to hire a full-time designer. And I you know, barely had the funds to do it. Uh, but it was that leap of faith that I took that we would grow. So I never looked back from that. Um, I always wanted to build a company and not just be an independent contractor. So um, that's always been the goal is really find people who have common values and find people who are experts in their field. And I'm, you know, luckily can direct a lot of it because I've done a little bit of all of it, but I'm certainly not a master at any of it. But it seems your heart is in this kind of scrappy entrepreneurial uh, entity. Your your book that's just released, Small by Design, an Entrepreneur's Guide to Growing Big While Staying Small. Talk about that and, and where that philosophy kind of ties into what you were saying. March of 2020, I was at a crossroads with my company. Um, we had actually grown to be a little bit less small by design than I wanted to be. I had a lot of full-time employees, um, a lot of juniors on my team. Um, and the, you know, the profit was, or the, the revenue was going up, but the costs were as well. And I realized that the company was not operating in a way that made me happy. And when we hit the, uh, when we started seeing, I think the NBA season canceled and um, the world really changing, I, I saw an opportunity to really take advantage of that moment and made a really hard decision and fired most of my team, um, except for the senior folks, um, and decided to rebuild and really embrace being small. So um, we work with a lot of full-time contractors, some that we've had for six, seven plus years, um, have a, a smaller team that is more senior level. But, you know, a funny thing happened. Um, I think a month into the pandemic, we had a couple of clients come to me and say, hey, we are, we're looking at firing our agencies of record and moving forward with you guys on all of our marketing work because we like how small you are. And I realized there's this paradigm shift happening where when we stop pretending to be bigger than we are and actually embrace smaller clients really liked it because they saw the extra fees they were paying to big agencies processes taking a long time, et cetera. So once we started owning it, we started getting more work and better work. And I've really built the agency around it um, and realized there's just a lot of learnings and principles that have happened since we've really rethought the agency to be small by design. You know, we can scale up as needed when bigger projects come in because we've got an amazing venture part full-time and part-time contractors. And when we need to be small, um, we're small. So it's really, it's made me a lot happier and we operate so much more efficiently and our clients feel it too. It's uh, translated in our prices and our, our turnaround times and quality of work. So if uh, somebody listening says, you know what, that really resonates with me. I'd like to, um, you know, kind of have the small core and be able to flex larger if need be. How would you recommend them going about doing that? How do you kind of you know, get that true north, get the people on board, the key people that enable you to scale when you have to, and then to cut back when you need to as well. For it to truly feel like a cohesive company, start with your values. We did this um, in March of 2020, the team that I had left, we would, we would sit in the park six feet apart and just talk about 
what went right with Real and what didn't. And really just when the team was that small, we were able to talk about everybody's personal values. They were all really aligned and we used those to build out the values of our company. So that's, that was the baseline. And we knew that any hiring decisions we would make would be based on shared values. Um, same with what kind of clients we bring on. We, we can tell early on if a client's going to be a good fit. Same thing with contractors. So um, that's the baseline. Um, so that way it still feels like very much a cohesive team. Um, the second layer was really getting our processes tight. So having a tight onboarding process, a very well outlined um, branding process, website process. So it's really repeatable. So when we do need to bring in an outside resource, if we need to bring in a contractor, we just plug them right into our system. So that's why it still feels really cohesive. And it's really that growing big while staying small, the systems are tight, the values are there. So we can scale up with, and it still feels very much like three owls. So that's the advice I'd give anyone is start with the values, build your systems, and then plug people in versus trying to adapt to the values of your contractors or clients. Cause that can, you know, that can really set you off track. Now, how do you make it kind of um, less transactional for the people you bring on in a contract basis? Because it's easy to say plug and play, be part of the team, but when they're not really part of the team and they might have three other projects going simultaneously, how do you get them to kind of emotionally buy into what you're talking about? Yeah, there's a chapter in my book called Elasticity is Essential, and it really talks about how we get our contractors aligned with us. Um, I'd say our least involved contractor is still 50% with three owl. Um, I will invite them to events. Um, the three owl puts on, um, of course, share our values with them. I'll also just open up about where three owl is at financially, what we have coming down the pipeline. And I'll also build relationships with those contractors and ask them how their business is doing, um, how we can help. I'll connect them to more work. So they, they start to see it as a partnership. Um, I know that I'm succeeding with a contractor when they win a new project, not with 3L, and call me up and want to celebrate and say, David, I'm so excited I got this project. I want to share it with you first. Um, and at the same time, I will, if there's a project that comes across 3L's table that's not the right fit for us, I'll just pass it over to one of the contractors, always give them first rights of refusal. So they see how invested I am into their business, and I see them come back and invest in mine. Like I've seen us putting together proposals and I'll reach out to one of our contractors and say, Hey, would you, can you help me write out this section around your specialty? Um, I'll pay you for your hours. And they rarely ask me to pay them for the hours because they're so bought into getting in the work and really believing in what we do. So um, very much uh, important to me never to treat a, a contractor like a vending machine, but really make them feel bought into uh, what three owl does and knowing that we have their back as professionals outside of, contractors helping three owl now you mentioned also one of the things that happened when you made this switch was that you were getting better clients um what does a better client look like for you like what are the qualities of a great client it's a client that trusts the work that we do i never want to have a client that's paying us to argue with us so we're seeing that we have clients that have really impactful work for their company and like these are digital transformations where you have um, a multi-unit restaurant switching to a major new online ordering platform like that is going to create an entire shift in in their operations um, in their marketing dollar usage so when we have projects that are going to impact a client to that degree, They've been coming to us for those projects and our existing clients too. 
they're seeing how quickly we get work done. And we're also, because we're smaller, we really keep our finger on the pulse of what's happening with the client. So I'll send an email saying, I remember a conversation we had a few months ago about um, how you're looking to switch to this, um, this loyalty vendor. Here's an interesting article I found about it. Let me know if you want to talk. So they also see that we're never transactional with them. Um, we're really thinking about their business and we can do that because we have those real conversations with our clients. So um, they, they're really happy that they're not paying extra dollars for a fancy office. Cause I think clients can feel that um, and they get access to leadership. Like me, our you know, creative director, our development manager, if they need to talk to people who are high level, you know, we're, we're one email away. Now, when you're working with a new client, are they typically kind of biting off the whole big project? Or are they coming in with a small project to kind of just get a taste of what 3Owl can do? And then that just expands organically over time? It depends on the size of the company. If, if we're working with a very large company, it's usually one project. And I will always earmark that project as an opportunity to impress them. The, the biggest clients we have worked with have been the ones that for example, we had a major restaurant brand that wanted to have direct-to-consumer e-commerce sales, and their existing agency said, you can't do this in 10 weeks. And they came to us, and I told my team, if we knock this out in 10 weeks, do you know how many opportunities this will open up for this one client? Um, so we did it, and it, we have become their digital agency of record, and they've connected us to a lot of other clients of that size. So on that very large end, no, um, I just see the opportunity to do great work and impress them. If it's a smaller size company, typically the project will be brand, website, et cetera, because they don't have other agencies they're working with. So it's either a big project for a smaller client or a starter project that's smaller for a bigger client, but always always hoping to convert that into something bigger. Now, who should be reading your book? I've been thinking through this a lot. I actually had my book launch party on Saturday and I got that question about if if somebody's working at a bigger company, does the book still have um, any validity? So I'm seeing really three audiences. If you're a small business owner, read it. Like if you're if you're looking for a, a life of abundance, if you're looking to figure out how to run your business without your business running you, um, th- this book's definitely for you. Um, I'm also hoping that people who are leaders at large companies read the book and just see that. They should give a chance to the smaller companies. Like they could really make an impact. Um, and then I was also thinking a lot about big companies tend to create small teams within their company. So while you might be working for a Fortune 500 company, you're likely still running a department. So I think this is a great book for folks who are overseeing smaller teams. And there's still a lot of learnings to run your team in a really nimble way um, that's really impactful. So if somebody wants to learn more about 3Owl, the agency, or get a hold of your book, what's the website? Uh, 3Owl.agency is our uh, company URL. And if you want to read more about the book, it is smallbydesign.co. The eBooks are available now and uh, paperbacks will be available uh, June 28th. Well, David, congratulations on all the success. You're doing important work and we appreciate you. Yeah, thank you so much. All right, this is Lee Cantor. We'll see you all next time on Atlanta Business Radio. 